Hello and a warm and friendly greeting as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. If you've been following this series on the character study of Christ, I hope you're enjoying them and learning new things about the Saviour. These studies ought to motivate us to be more like our Lord Jesus in our daily lives. This time, Brian has a look into the humility of Christ. Brian's main Bible readings today will be from Paul's letter to the Philippians and chapter 2, if you want to follow. But now we go to Brian to study the humility of Christ. Thanks, John. There were a number of reasons for Paul writing his letter to the Church of God in Philippi. It was first and foremost an acknowledgement of some recent financial support he'd received from them. It also seems that he felt the need to emphasise the theme of joy and rejoicing to these Christian disciples. And another thing that evidently concerned Paul was a failure on the part of some of the individuals to pull together with the degree of harmony that he'd have wanted to have seen. And so he urges them to reach agreement with one another and to pull together in joyful teamwork. Paul's diagnosis was that if they each were to put the interests of others before his or her own interests, if there was a greater willingness to make concessions, then all would be well. He begins chapter 2 by saying, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And it was to reinforce this that Paul quoted some now famous Bible lines which celebrate the humiliation to which Christ voluntarily submitted himself in becoming man and dying on the cross. I say he quotes them, for it's been widely agreed that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, we find an early Christian hymn fragment, whether Paul's own work or someone else's. Paul quotes it here to give his call to unity the greatest possible support. He continues by saying, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In itself, this passage is a recital of the saving work of God in Christ, in his incarnation, passion and exaltation. But there's a major difference here. What is it, you ask? It's the context in which this is quoted. As we've seen, it's in connection with an appeal to unity, to stand firm in one spirit, 
despite the opposition they're facing. An attitude of humility is the way to achieving such unity. And Christ is the supreme example of humility. The point is not that we should simply know about this, but it's for us to actually become humble like him. In verses 12 to 15, beginning with the words, So then, we arrive at the conclusion that's to be drawn from what's gone before. There to obey Paul in following Christ's example, and so have unity based on humility. That's what brings fresh significance to the actions of Christ as they're rehearsed here. Remember, Paul's target here is to deal with some measure of disharmony among the Christian believers at Philippi. Paul's spirit-directed instinct is to go to the cross to ground his appeal in the most heartfelt terms. But there's a difference here. Paul introduces this poetic summary by saying, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, the attitude shown by Christ is recommended as an example for his followers. Paul was appealing, according to one scholar, Moule, adopt towards one another in your mutual relations the same attitude which was found in Christ Jesus. Jesus' attitude is presented as an example of what the Philippians' attitude should be, and they're being encouraged to become like him in his death. That's Philippians 3 verse 10. This is what Paul meant earlier when asking them to decide what is best. Philippians 1 verse 10. This is the best mindset to adopt. So here in Philippians chapter 2, it's not so much the actions of Christ, but the attitude behind them, which is the focus. And by God's help, we, as well as they, are to try to copy it. Attitude has always been as important, if not more important to God, than any actions a person may do. Remember how the Lord criticised the religious leaders of Israel. You hypocrites, he said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. What a strength of feeling comes across in those words recorded from Matthew 15. The heart of God is expressing itself. They were kindling fire on God's altar, but it was useless because the attitude of the worshippers despised God rather than exalting him. So it's right for us to praise God that Christ is as supreme in his attitude as he is supreme in his actions. In glorious, infinite contrast to God's commentary on Israel's performance, the Father opened the heavens and declared that he was well pleased with his Son, Jesus Christ, who did always the things which were pleasing to the Father. Well, coming back again to Philippians chapter 2, the quoted hymn or poem begins by asserting that Christ, existing already in the form of God, did not put a false estimation on equality with God. Instead, he chose to display the form of God in the form of a slave. One commentator paraphrases the opening in this way. He, though existing before the worlds in the form of God, did not treat his equality with God as a prize, as a treasure to be greedily clutched and ostentatiously displayed. On the contrary, he resigned the glories of heaven. And he adds that this is the common and indeed almost universal interpretation of the Greek fathers, 
who would have the most lively sense of the requirements of the language. Jesus did not regard equality with God as a vantage point for achieving his own personal ambitions. Precisely the opposite, in fact. He actually treated his equality with God as an occasion for renouncing every advantage or privilege to which he was entitled. He regarded his equality with God as an opportunity not for self-enrichment, but for self-impoverishment, an unreserved self-sacrifice. This is so amazing that it has confused some into rejecting his equality with God. How tragic, for this should be the very pinnacle of our praise. One Greek expert goes even further. He explains it's legitimate to translate the text here as probably meaning because he was in very nature God, he did not exploit his status of equality with the Father. What a contrast between God's behaviour and ours. It's hard to visit countries where poor citizens are oppressed by privileged leaders who hoard all the advantages to themselves. This isn't the only place where Paul points to Christ's self-denial as being an example for his people. 2 Corinthians, which we've often been referencing, is another place. For example, in chapter 8 and verse 9, where Paul encourages generous giving to the Jerusalem Relief Fund by supplying as an incentive these words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. There he uses his own language, but here in Philippians chapter 2, he appears to have used a readily available form of words. Working out their salvation in this context was most clearly to be seen by the Philippians delivering themselves from their pre-existing disharmony. This was to be done through striving to achieve better Christian unity, and this in turn by emulating the example of Christ's self-denying humility, even by them becoming like him in his death. These words, being like Christ in his death, are of course to be understood in terms of the essence rather than the external reality of crucifixion. In this way, the early exhortation to discern what's best is modelled by Paul himself in his own lifestyle, which was truly becoming like Christ in his death. Throughout the letter to the Philippians, we glimpse how Paul has become like Christ. It's shown to be about advantaging others at personal cost to ourselves. It's about losing our lives so that we may find life in all its fullness, and in particular such selfless humility as brings about harmonious community living.
thank you for your talk today, Brian. And as I've said in the past, the study of the character of Christ is so vast we can only partly cover it here on these programmes. So if you want to progress from these talks for your own personal interest, I'd like to remind you that there's a free book to go with this series of 10 studies of Christ's character. And a copy can be yours if you write in. So for a copy of the book, just ask for The Character of Christ. And you can do this by email or by post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Search for Truth, PO Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134, Australia. Search for Truth, PO Box 70115, Chilomani, Blantyre, Malawi. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And did you know by looking up churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you'll find our church's main website. That's churchesofgod.info forward slash media. And once you're on the website, you can download some programmes and their accompanying transcript, uh, as well as accessing other helpful material. Now, it's been a great uh, enjoyment of the pleasure of your company, and I hope you can join me again next week if you're able to. And Brian, next week, will be taking a look at the kindness and compassion of Christ. Until then, it's goodbye for now. And very best wishes from Brian, David and me, John. So we'll see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you. <laughs>